Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Today we're going to be talking about trauma. And I know that this is a very in-depth topic and there's a lot that we could talk about with this. But we're just going to briefly go over it and go over the basics today. Just kind of give you some information on what it is, the types of different trauma, how your brain responds to it. And our episode after this, we'll talk about how to resolve that trauma. Now, one of the things that I always like to tell my patients about trauma is that you have to kind of come into a therapist to find out how messed up you are. And if you're listening to this and you think, oh, I don't think I have any trauma, just listen through this episode and then we'll give you some ideas about what trauma really looks like and how it can be a wide range from very minor traumas to more in-depth and difficult traumas. I want to begin with a story of our son and we went to a house. So as we started to walk down, there are people that were in front of us walking ahead and all of a sudden I hear my son just screaming. Before I even knew it, Tim starts running toward him And then I see him fall and he gets up real quick, picks my son up and starts running. And then I recognize what happened, that there was a swarm of hornets. And when Tim picked him up, it was almost like a movie where they just started following him. And I could just see this big cloud of hornets following them. And I think what had happened was that the people in front of us maybe stepped on that wood piece or that stair and it disrupted the hornet's nest. And so when my son got to it, they just were already angry and buzzing and they just got all over him um the last i saw was my husband running with him and this swarm of hornets running after them so i had basically just seen him start getting attacked by these hornets and when i grabbed him and i started to run i was just trying to get away from them but what ended up happening was we got what i thought was a good enough distance away i put him down i started swiping off all these hornets off of him and then they started stinging me in the back I picked him up. I continued to run. And then now we're probably like 100 yards away. I put him down again. I start swiping the hornets off. They're biting and stinging me again. I pick him back up. I start running again. Now we're probably about uh, 100, 150 yards away from where the attack originally started. We're back at our car. I jump in the car with him. There's a hornet that flies in. I have to swat it out. I even put the car in drive and I start driving away a little bit because the hornets are still kind of going after the car. And then eventually we drive just a little bit and then they stop attacking and they kind of go away. In this experience, obviously, it was a scary, uncomfortable thing. He got stung and bit a bunch. I got stung and bit a bunch. And he never really had any type of difficulty with bees or with hornets before. But then after that experience, he became very uncomfortable with bees or hornets. And even though he was not attacked by bees, when he started hearing bees buzzing, he would get nervous and uncomfortable. And basically what this is, is this is an example of your brain taking this bad experience and associating it with a dangerous thing. And so what it does is when you start feeling these uncomfortable emotions about an experience that you've gone through, your brain is trying to protect you from it again. And the way it tries to protect you from it is it creates this trigger mechanism that fires off the fight, flight, or freeze response in your body. And when you come in contact with something like that, your body's going to inject a bunch of adrenaline into your body to put you on high alert. 
so that you can fend off an attacker or you can run a wave or even just be like a deer in the headlights where you're just going to pause and you're just going to wait and kind of see what happens after that. To help us understand trauma a little bit better, what we're also going to do is talk a little bit about the brain and how trauma really can affect the brain. So for right now, we're going to talk about two major portions of the brain. We're going to talk about our prefrontal cortex and our amygdala. Your prefrontal cortex is at the front of your brain, kind of right behind your forehead. And that portion of your brain, what that really handles is your logical processing centers, your ability to think about behaviors and consequences when you're trying to access memories. That's also where those tend to be stored. And then we're also going to be talking about your amygdala, your emotional processing centers. When we're nice and calm, we have a tendency to be operating out of our prefrontal cortex. When we're calm, we're able to access our memory, think calmly and rationally about behaviors and consequences. When you're feeling in a state of distress, whether it's physical distress or emotional distress, your amygdala will do what's called the amygdala hijack. What that essentially is, is your amygdala taking control over your prefrontal cortex and basically turning off your prefrontal cortex and making you not think about behaviors and consequences, but just really just thinking about acting now. And so what I mentioned before, that fight, flight, or freeze response, what that really is to do is to preserve your safety. Now, a part of the problem with that amygdala response, that hijack, is that it doesn't differentiate between physical danger and emotional danger. It treats them both the same way, and it'll kind of hijack it in that moment. Now, an example of how this affected our son is that when he's walking around in our backyard during the springtime, there's a lot of bees buzzing around, and so he started hearing them. He got uncomfortable. He stopped wanting to go outside because he was afraid they were going to attack him like they had before, even though it was the hornets and not the bees that he was now hearing. And so it doesn't matter what we tell him. Hey, you don't have to worry about it. Those are bees. They're not going to attack you. Those hornets, they only attacked you because they were disturbed. They're not just going around looking for someone to sting. That's not really affecting how he's feeling because that amygdala hijack is taking over and just saying, nope, I don't care what you say. I am afraid and uncomfortable of this thing because I need to preserve my physical safety. Now, obviously, getting attacked by a swarm of hornets, especially for a boy who was five at the time, could be a very uncomfortable event. And I think most people would be like, yeah, I think if that happened to me, I'd be a little more cautious and uncomfortable around hornets and bees as well because I don't want to experience that same thing. What Tim's saying is so true because it really is different experiences for different people. When we look at different types of trauma, there are three that I'm going to talk about right now, and that's acute trauma, chronic trauma, or complex trauma. And trauma is really just an emotional or mental response to a disturbing event or situation. And acute trauma is a response that happens during or directly after the event. And typically, it doesn't last more than four weeks. I had an experience with this. I got in a pretty decent-sized car accident when I was 18. And for about a month, I was a little more anxious behind the wheel. And then it just wore off on its own. So acute stress disorder is four weeks or less. And there's chronic emotional trauma. And this is where a person experiences a longer-term emotional response to these traumatic events or disturbing events where it's prolonged, not just a month or so. This car accident I got into when I was 18, if I continued to be anxious behind the wheel or avoided getting into a car or I had panic attacks, now we're leading into this chronic territory because now it's over a month. So when we look at acute and chronic emotional trauma, we can see where the trauma point is. But the next one is complex emotional trauma. And this is where it's multifaceted. And there 
maybe multiple different types of disturbing events or traumatic events that has led to this level of complex trauma where maybe we don't exactly know what these symptoms are for because they've experienced so much. For the other two types of trauma, they're fairly simple and straightforward, but for this one, there's a lot more facets to it. If you had the car accident, plus you were physically abused by your parent, you had someone cheat on you in your relationship, those kinds of things, all those emotions kind of get intermixed and confusing, and then it's difficult for you to really understand where are these emotions really stemming from. So let me go through a list of just examples of traumatic events, and this this is not comprehensive by any means. So it could be child abuse, child neglect, bullying, physical abuse, domestic violence, violence in the community that you witness, natural disasters, medical trauma, sexual abuse, substance abuse, car accidents like Tim talked about, war, terrorism, traumatic grief, and we'll go into a specific episode about grief. So those are examples of big T trauma. Some examples of little T trauma, and remember this is something where someone else doesn't necessarily experience it as traumatic, but you experience it as trauma. And this could be being betrayed by a friend, moving a lot as a kid. A situation where maybe you were just embarrassed, or I've even had a patient who was traumatized by a nightmare they had. So if you just listened to that list and you were like, none of those are traumatic, that's a great example of why those are little T traumas. So let's talk about the symptoms of trauma and what we experience because of the trauma could be psychological, like fear, helplessness, changes in your attitude or your behavior, maybe experiencing more anger, having depression, anxiety, mood swings, some guilt, shame, blame. Maybe there's some social withdrawal that happens. And then some physical symptoms, emotional trauma is increased heart rate, having body aches, maybe you have tense muscles, you're always on edge, you feel jumpy. You have nightmares, difficulty sleeping, you get fatigued really easily, your appetite changes, and you're alert, like excessively, and you're on high alert all the time. And those aren't an exhaustive list either. There are so many different symptoms that you can experience. Everybody experiences it just a little bit differently. With all these different traumas that we can experience, there's a little bit of a litmus test that you can do to figure out, has something actually traumatized you or not? And one thing that you can do is you can take an inventory and just think about these events kind of in detail, go over them in your mind. And if when you're thinking about these details of these events, and then all of a sudden it's bringing up anxiety, fear, anger, sadness, any type of negative emotional response, that memory has essentially traumatized you. And it has rewired and reprogrammed your brain to interact with things that are similar to that or the same type of event in specific ways in order to protect you. And so basically what happens is when you go through these different events, like I mentioned earlier, it fires off that amygdala and creates that amygdala hijack. It goes into this overdrive mode where it's trying to protect you from all these dangers. And the way it can protect you from these dangers is not just that fight, flight, or freeze response, but it also can color or shade how you view different things. If you've been through a traumatic experience, that has caused you to feel in danger, you're going to then assess and analyze people's different behaviors or the different things they say through that jaded color of glass of I'm in danger. And so whenever they do or say something, you're looking to see, is this situation going to turn dangerous for me? Versus somebody who's never been through that type of a traumatic experience, 
isn't constantly analyzing or looking at situations for a dangerous outcome. They just look at it and think, oh, this is just an interaction or, oh, that person's acting mad. They must be having a bad day today versus somebody who has that negative belief system of I'm in danger is going to be looking at that exact same thing and thinking, oh, my gosh, this person might attack me. I'm in danger. I need to get out of here kind of a thing. When you're looking at the world, two people, one with trauma, one without trauma, can look at the exact same experience, but have a wildly different reaction to it. And it doesn't really matter what the facts on the ground are. What matters is what lens are you viewing it through? If you're viewing it through this untraumatized lens, you're going to view it more matter-of-factly, more clearly, more reasonably. But if you're viewing it from this trauma lens, you're going to view it with more suspicion, more anxiety, more fear and danger. And that's one of the trickiest things about trauma is that when you're traumatized, all of your negative responses or your overreactions to certain things are all going to feel completely reasonable and rational to you. The only time it's easier to understand when you're having an overreaction to it is when other people may tell you that, hey, I, th I think you're overreacting to that. But what's going to happen is your brain's going to be like, no, 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 you're not overreacting. This person's crazy. They're gaslighting you. You are totally not overreacting. This is a real clear and present danger. And so it gets really difficult to understand what is reality? Am I actually in danger here or am I not? And basically what's going on is your brain is living and operating in this hyperactive stance. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that is so cool to look at, if you haven't seen a SPECT scan before, that's S-P-E-C-T, those are really interesting to look at because you can see on these scans a normal functioning brain and the brain that's experienced PTSD. And you can see the hyperactivity that's happening in those with PTSD. If you're interested in looking into that, the AMEN clinics I know do a lot of spec scans. Or you can do an image search for spec scans and just see the difference that's there. And it's really very interesting. And there's a really cool spec scan that you can see before and after EMDR and the effects of the EMDR on PTSD and how amazing that transformation is in such a short time. There's a really good book out there called The Body Keeps Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And that is a book about how trauma is stored in our body. And it's very fascinating. So if you get a chance to read that this week, I would encourage you to do that. And so we will see you in the next episode where we talk about EMDR. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.